0: So can I just ask you, would you just put a hand on your heart and let's dedicate the next 21 days to Jesus and to going deeper in Him and playing our part in prayer as we look to Him for the revival of the church right across the land. Lord, as the Bible says, we want to humble ourselves, turn aside from our own ways, turn from our wicked ways, to humble ourselves and pray and seek your face. And we're asking, Lord, as we do that together, would you come like never before? Would you move in power? And would you bring healing to the church in this land? Would you cause the church to rise up and to become the pure and spotless bride that you purpose her to be for the blessing and proclamation of the good news of Jesus to the nation. And we just want to ask, Lord, as we come together and pray, would you move in power? Would you change us, change our church, change the communities we live in, change everybody right across the land who confesses you as their Lord and Savior? Move in every church, across every denomination, and move in power in this nation, we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Now, let's now just turn our heart to the Lord. Let's put our hands out in front of us as as if someone was giving you a big present. And it's just a physical sign of being open to the Lord coming to us this morning, to receiving from him, even as we worship the Lord Jesus and lift his name up on high. Can I just ask you just to begin to just pray quietly, just in whispers or just in quiet voices, just inviting the Holy Spirit to come, inviting Jesus to be glorified afresh in your heart, in your life inviting him to come and fill kids' church and youth church and adults. Fill the church this morning. Thank you, Lord. Let's begin to pray our prayers out loud, Uh, even if it's quiet, even if we don't feel very good at praying. We just want to say, Lord, we want to meet with you this morning. We want to know you more. We want to see you more clearly. We want to behold you in your brightness, in the brightness of your glory. So come, Lord, we pray. May you fill this church and fill our hearts with your life. May you move in power in this place. May you glorify Jesus above all other names and all other idols and and things of this world. Would you come and fill this church that you might receive all the honor and all the glory that you'd send us from here ready to serve you in word and deed with the name of Jesus spilling off our lips, talking of his goodness and talking of his love. focusing on the purity and holiness and majesty of God. I'm just going to turn us to prayer and intercession for a few moments. The Time that we're living in is not a time to be asleep or to be a passenger or to leave it to others. And I'd love us just to turn turn our hearts to just pray We're about to enter a season of prayer and fasting i'd love us just to start a day early (laughs) we'll take a moment and just start that now so uh i think um i'd love to just lead us in prayer can i just say i think let's just come if you'd like to stay where stay where you are if you'd like to but i just when i'm gathering with others to pray i just sometimes like to be near others Um, and I like to take a step forward to the Lord. So uh, if you'd like to just come and pray using this front bit, just come into this space, and we're going to pray together, and we're going to pray together for all that lies ahead for the church across the land. We're going to pray for God's kingdom. We're going to pray for his will to be done. Uh, Just come now. Can I just say, we're all growing in prayer at the moment, so some of us here may feel real experts and good for you (laughs) but some of us here are just trying to work it work our way through it and um, but this is a time where we I I just think the Lord is calling the church to pray calling the church to our knees calling the church to come before God and to bring uh, the preciousness of our country and our land uh, to him so just press forward a little bit those of you just to let others um, in um, so you can If you haven't come forward, just to remind you, church is a judgment-free zone, so it doesn't mean you're less courageous or less impassioned, but it's just sometimes nice to just gather. Just before we begin to pray, I'd love, just, I don't know where, let's just take a moment as an individual, just. to just sing but we're praying our intercession over the church every church in every place over ourselves in this church over every member of this church but over every church every denomination the nation needs every flavor every tribe every tongue every part of the church on fire declaring the lordship of jesus rising up in love and power and authority thank you jesus So let's let's pray over every church and let every knee come bow before. every church, every stream, every denomination come bow before
1: the king of kings let every confess that he is lord lift up your shout let us join with all in all Oh, the King of kings Let him come Confess that he is Lord Lift up Your shout Let us join with all Of heaven singing Holy Singing Holy Singing Holy
0: Pray for an awakening at this time, an awakening in every church. We want to pray for an awakening in every minister. We want to pray for an awakening in every church member up and down the land, an awakening to how wonderful you are, an awakening to your lordship and your kingship. We want to pray for that awakening to to just be deeper and further and higher and more passionate than ever before in this time. Lord, would you awaken the church to your heartbeat? We pray in this time, in the name of Jesus. We pray. Let's just begin to lift our prayers, lift our voices. Thank you, Lord. You're going to hear a bit bit about it in the sermon, but someone just had a sense that as we fast and we pray, we're making room and God's going to fill us like never before. Every time I've given myself to seeking the Lord in fasting and prayer, he's never failed to do more than I can possibly imagine. Sometimes different to what I always think and always want. (laughs) But that's because He's the Lord. Grab someone's hand by you. Make a new friend. If you've never done this in church before, the hand's going to be so sweaty. (laughs) (laughs) Heavenly Father, thank you that the church is in your hands, that the nation is in your hands. That your kingdom will come and your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And thank you for your kindness and your love and your blessings on our lives. We're going to exchange God's peace. Uh, This is where we're reminding ourselves of how Jesus was slain for our sins. He was crucified that we could be forgiven and reconciled back. Let's just all be making sure... How I do it is I say hello to someone. I say, how long have you been coming here? I don't say you, you knew or any of that. How long have you been coming here? Let's just make sure everybody's included. We're all on welcome team and we can help connect everybody up. If you are brand new here today, do visit our blue tent outside and the guys can connect you into church life here. Amazing. We're going to have our Bible reading now. And then Nikki Lee is here uh, this morning. In fact, before we have our Bible reading, as that comes, um, Nikki, just stand up, do a little turnaround. Amazing. Um, we prayed. You, you get a, a, a polite clap. <laughs> <laughs> it was like one of the England batsmen who just tickled one just at the boundary. And it was like a nice <laughs> little. Nikki, they can be raucous at times, but they gave you a nice. Uh, I anyway, Nikki and Silla, we prayed for them at the 9, but I'm just going to ask us to pray for these guys now. They're off to Asia, to four different nations, Indonesia, Malaysia, Philippines, and South Korea, um, on Thursday, um, releasing the marriage course to those nations and all of that. Um, so they very humbly said they felt very sort of unprepared and inadequate um and so we bless them at the nine but can i just ask you to stretch out your hands nikki's going to be preaching this morning and we'll see him in a minute but father we thank you for nikki and Scylla. thank you for all that they're bringing to this this church thank you for all that they give at buncton and all around the congregations here but thank you lord that you're sending them to the nations And on this mission, we just want to pray every fruitfulness, every protection. We pray it would be a trip full of life and light. We want to pray that as your truth and your word go forth, uh, giving people a vision for how you really desire marriages to be, that it would embed, take root, it would find good soil to be planted into, and that you bless these guys. And I I just want to pray that this trip would be a joy to their hearts as well, that you'd really encourage them in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's have our Bible reading, and then Nikki will speak to us. Thank you, Pam.
2: So our reading today is from Luke 6, verses 20 to 26 in the NRSV. Then he looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you, who are poor for yours is the kingdom of God blessed are you who are hungry now for you will be filled blessed are you who weep now for you will laugh blessed are you when people hate you when they exclude you and defame you on account of the son of man Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven. For that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets.
3: We love being here. We love being a part of the Changton Churches and We're just constantly amazed at what uh, you're doing and constantly amazed at what God is doing amongst all of us here. Uh, Today, I want to talk to you and to myself about how we have a hunger for God. Uh, Last weekend, I was at least part of the big church festival up at Whiston Park, and I met a friend of mine called Andy Hawthorne. Andy, you might have heard of him. He's been working up in Manchester. He, Ma- Andy has this passion for evangelism and social justice. He started the Worldwide Message Tribe, and then the Eden Projects, taking people from wealthy areas to live in much poorer areas to bring the gospel, to bring social justice. And uh, I saw Andy on Saturday, and as always, Andy just had this huge smile on his face. And uh, he was also wearing a cap, and I had to look at it twice to see what was written there. And then I realized that it was the word kingdom, but it was written upside down. And it was written upside down because Andy lives by the values of the kingdom, which are the other way up to the values of this world. It's an upside-down kingdom. This passage we've just had read about blessings and woes in Luke chapter six. Deeply challenged what uh, Jesus' culture, what the society thought at that time, and it's exactly the same today. Because today, our culture values wealth, material comfort, fame, celebrity, above a hunger for God. And Jesus is saying, if you fill your life with these things, just fill them with wealth and material comfort and a desire of seeking fame and celebrity, there's no room for God. And Jesus speaks to us to live by the beat of a different drum. And this is the way of life and freedom. And it won't always be popular. Uh, Silo and I, as James said, thank you for your prayers before we go to Asia on Thursday. We spent quite a lot of time in Asia, and especially in China. Uh, Over the last 17 or so years, we've been many times. And uh, amazingly, the Chinese government authorized for the marriage and pre-marriage courses and the parenting courses to be uh, published and made available for anybody in China to use. And one time we were traveling there. We went to a city we'd never been to before called Hangzhou. And uh, as we, we were sort of slightly above the city, and as we started to drive down, we were surveying the cityscape. And we saw this building with a huge cross, a huge white cross on the top of it. And Suna and I were absolutely amazed. We'd never seen that in China, never seen a cross displayed publicly. And then we realized this was the church where we were going to meet the pastor and his wife. He's called Reverend Gu, and his wife is Mrs. Gu, although they say it a little bit differently in Chinese. And this was the most, oh my goodness, a most wonderful Christian couple. You know that one of the amazing things when you travel a place like China, you can't speak the same language, but you feel this connection. And we did have an interpreter. We were with somebody who we know well, we travel with, and she speaks uh, Mandarin. And Reverend and Mrs. Gu were just full of life and joy. And vision, and what we realized when we got to their church was there wasn't just one cross, there were three crosses. There was one cross, they, they built this church with the, you know, all the congregation, all contributing to it. And the first cross, first of these three crosses, was at the gate where you went into a little sort of courtyard before you got to the building, and there was a big red cross. And that was to signify that Jesus was crucified for each one of us by Him. It's through His blood that we are forgiven, that we can come into knowing God, come into His presence. And then when you got inside the church, at the front of the front, there was a huge white cross. And that was to signify that Jesus rose from the dead. He's alive. He's here with us. And then, I'm sorry, I, I got the color of the cross wrong. On the top of the church, there was a golden cross. That was the one that we saw, and it was sort of gleaming in the sun. And that golden cross was to signify that Jesus is Lord. Despite the fact that Reverend Gu had got official permission to build this church, official permission to put the cross up, we heard from the person we were traveling with a few weeks later that Reverend Gu and Mrs. Gu had been put in prison because they were a challenge to the culture, to the society, to the values of the, uh, of the state, and forced to take down the crosses. Many, actually, in China, forced to, dem- or, or the churches they built have been demolished. A- and yet, in China, the church is growing. You probably know that. But today, nobody quite knows how many Christians there are, but there are certainly more than 100 million Christians in that country, which is considerably more than the members of the Communist Party, which is reckoned to be about 60 million. And Jesus says, Jesus says, blessed are you. And and one translation of that could be happy are you. He says blessed or you when people hate you, when they exclude you, insult you, and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven. And Christians like Reverend and Mrs. Goo rejoice now because they know that Jesus is faithful. Just like that song we sung earlier, faithful you are, all your promises are yes and amen. And I don't know if you notice that in the in those blessings, that Jesus he he writes in the it's in the present tense: Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. But then there's a part of it that's in the future tense. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. You who weep, you will laugh. Blessed are you women, help you. Rejoice and in that day and leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven. There is a future uh, tense to it. Now, I didn't grow up with that perspective at all, and um, I didn't become a Christian until I was, I was just 20, and I remember i just become a Christian, and I was on my way to uh, Christian meeting, it was a Christian union at the college I was at. And uh, I, I came, I think about as close to being run over as I've ever been in my life. And run over by a bus. I was in very, I was in real danger of actually losing my life. And when I got to this meeting, Christians, who I'd only just sort of met, I was still shaking. You know, I was really sort of shocked by what had happened. And I, I remember telling this guy, I can't remember what his name was now. He'd been a Christian, I think, all his life. And telling him what had just happened to me. And he said, oh, poor you. And then I carried on talking to him. And I realized that when he said, poor you, he wasn't saying to me, poor you for nearly getting run over. He was saying, poor you, that you didn't get run over and go to heaven. And I thought gosh, that, that's a very different perspective to live by to the one I've lived with for the last 20 years. I had another uh, great friend at uh, college who, um, he was also called Nicky. Actually, Nicky was clearly a very popular name in the year that I was born. And this particular Nicky, uh, he became a Christian at the same time as we did. And uh, he, uh, we did a lot together, but he was always late whatever arrangement you made you could guarantee this Nicky would be uh, late and in those days back in the day when I was at college we, you didn't have mobile phones you couldn't check up where people were you just have to rely on the arrangement you'd made sort of say a day before that eventually he'd turn up and oh, I remember it was just exasperating and um, I remember on one occasion he did turn up about an hour after he said he would and um, he he turned up with this big smile on his face, and he said, never mind, the joy is all in the anticipation. Well, I didn't quite sort of get the wisdom of it at the time, but I have pondered on his words, and I thought, yeah, yeah, as Christians we are. That is a truth. There is joy in the anticipation. Let me be clear about these blessings and woes. Jesus is he's not supporting poverty, or, and certainly not extreme poverty. And Jesus in the Gospels, as you'll know, he, he fed the hungry, healed the sick, he, he helped the poor, he met people's needs and their physical needs. And as Christians, we are to seek to do all we can to bring an end to extreme poverty and to help those who are poor. But equally, nor is Jesus against those who are wealthy. I love the fact, James and Lou, that we're going through Luke's gospel. I, I had to check with James how long it's going to take us. I think it's two years or so to get from the beginning and the end. In all my ministry, or through the years, I've never done something like this, just working our way through our gospel. I think it's absolutely brilliant. It's, it's I think I have gained more just from going through Luke's gospel than many times just taking a passage here and there. When we go on in Luke's gospel, when we get to Luke 19, which I don't know if it's 2024 or 20, uh, I'm not sure which year it'll be, but it's one of the high points of the gospel because you have this man called Zacchaeus. He's a short man, he's a rich man, He climbs a tree to see Jesus, and Jesus says, I'm coming to your house today. because salvation has come to this house. Jesus didn't reject the wealthy. Zacchaeus actually ended up giving away half that he owned. Jesus is not against the wealthy, but he warns of the dangers of wealth, how it can have a numbing effect on our souls, and how it can stop us relying on God. Stop us looking to God for, for what we need, and that's why Jesus said how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. And in these this passage we heard, Jesus is challenging the cultural values that we ourselves can so easily buy into, and perhaps even more easily buy into, because of the wealth of the society within which we live and the values that life is about, having it all now. And the more we can get, the better. And I want to ask the question, how are we surrounded by such wealth today to live out Jesus' values? And they affect the value we place on people, the value we place on things, and the value we place on our reputation. First of all, people. In the culture then as now, rich people were considered more important than poor people. And there was a distorted theology about were Actually, you see it in the Bible, it goes all the way back to Job's comforters who thought that those who were rich were rich because they were favored by God. Rich, riches were uh, God's blessing, God's blessing on the fact that they'd lived a, a good life. And as Christians, because of Jesus' words, we're to show no favoritism. I, I want to just read to you some, some of the words that come in James's letter. And what's clear, James... Um, quite probably, uh, a brother of Jesus through Mary, and uh, became the leader of the church, wrote this letter. And what you hear is these values that Jesus talks about ran deeply into the early church. They formed the early church, and the church at this time was made up of rich and poor, but there was always a danger of taking on The world's values, falling back into the culture of the time. This is what James writes, James chapter 2. My brothers and sisters, do you with your, if we could have it on the screen, Jacob, please. My brothers and sisters, do you with your acts of favoritism really believe in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ? For if a person with gold rings and in fine clothes comes into your assembly, and if A poor person in dirty clothes also comes in. And if you take notice of the one wearing the fine clothes and say, have a seat here, please, while you say to the one who is poor, uh, stand there or sit at my feet, have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers and sisters, has not God chosen the poor in the world (laughs) to be rich in faith and to be heirs of the kingdom that he's promised to those who love him. And it's so wonderful, as we read through Luke, what we see is Jesus showed no favoritism. And one of my bits, what we will get to actually slightly sooner in Luke chapter 8, is where Jesus is going to the home of Jairus. Jairus is a synagogue leader. His daughter is desperately ill, and he's going there to pray and heal his daughter, and as he's on his way, this poor woman, woman who'd been subject to bleeding for 12 years, and Luke may not have included this phrase, but it goes on, and she had spent all she had on doctors. Luke himself was a doctor, so he might have sort of deliberately avoided that phrase. We're not sure, but that comes in Mark's gospel, and it's one of the readings, but Jesus stops for this poor woman and he heals her, and then he goes on to Jairus' house. And Christians have discovered again and again that when we help the poor, whether that's the elderly, the isolated, those in prison, those who don't have enough food, those who don't have enough money, we get blessed by God. I heard just this week someone we know, lives locally, very recently has started helping with the Chanktonbury Storehouse and was uh, uh, delivering uh, food parcels to some desperately poor uh, families who, who live in Storrington. And she said, as a result of her experience, she said, you think you're here to deliver a food parcel but you discover it's a gateway. And she said it's a gateway in two ways. You discover it's a gateway to get to meet and get to know amazing people. And then she said, hopefully it's also a gateway to help them get out of their situation. And that's why we should always talk about ministry with the poor. Because <laughs> when we there's always a mutual blessing that takes place and again notice that thing blessed are you who are poor for yours is the kingdom of God when we minister with the poor we experience the blessing of God's kingdom so first of all the value we place on people secondly the value we play we put on things um, I didn't discover online shopping till fairly late sort of late in the day. In fact, it wasn't until we started to move down here in 2019 that um, we'd always lived in, we'd lived in London for many years. and uh, I didn't really do much shopping at all, if I'm completely honest. But when we got down here, I discovered how convenient online shopping is. And the first thing I ordered was uh, a chainsaw. And it turned up the next day, and I thought, this is absolutely amazing. And I chopped up firewood, which saved me a lot of money because I didn't have to buy the firewood anymore. So after that, I bought a, um, a chop saw. That's a different sort of saw. Uh, then I bought a reciprocating saw. Don't worry if you don't know what these saws are. They're just different types. Some of you looking a little bit bemused. Then I discovered another uh, thing called Gumtree, where you could buy things secondhand so I could save even more money. And I bought a band saw and a, a jigsaw. So I had quite a collection of saws. And then, uh, because we were renovating the property where we're now living, I bought a flat pack garage. And it was only at this point where I showed Scylla how every saw that I'd bought was really important for putting up (laughs) and making this garage. Uh, Living today in the society we live in, we can get what we want almost immediately at the press of a button. And if we can't quite afford it at the moment, we might well be able to get credit, so that we can get it now. And and what I discovered with my saws is, it's exciting when you get it. (laughs) It's really exciting to start to use it, but, but that excitement wears off after a bit. You know, you sort of get used to having it, and then you have to get the next saw to get a new shot of excitement, and then the next saw, and then the next saw. And you know the danger and whether it's with sores or anything else that you particularly want to go for, the danger is that our hunger for God is substituted by a hunger for things. And Jesus said you cannot serve both God and money. And, And in fact, Jesus spoke more about money in the Gospels than any other single topic. And the more we have The greater the danger. And I think that's why. Jesus says, Blessed are the poor. And Jesus offers us freedom from its grip. And it is a a grip. It's a grip that is enforced by spiritual powers. And there are two things that are essential if we're to live by Jesus' kingdom values. One is gratitude, and the other is generosity. Gratitude for everything that God provides, many of them that money can't buy, (laughs) nature, (laughs) the things we see all around us, the trees, the hedgerows, uh, the, the seasons that God provides, the sun, the rain, the wind, the snow, the beauty of God's creations, and gratitude for the things that we have bought or that have been given to us, whether that's food or Furniture, clothes, and so on. And gratitude is essential. This is what um, Paul writes to Timothy. It comes in 1 Timothy chapter 6. We can have it on the screen again, please, Jacob. And Paul writes, of course, there is great gain in godliness combined with contentment. For we brought nothing into the world so that we can take nothing out of it. But if we've food and clothing, we will be content with these. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. And in their eagerness to be rich, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. Then jumping down to verse 17. As for those who in the present age are rich, Command them not to be haughty or to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but rather on God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Gratitude is essential, it's to characterize us. But then Paul goes on to write about generosity in verse 18. They, those who are rich in this world, are to do good, to be rich in good works, generous and ready to share. Thus, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so they can take hold of the life that is really life. And, you know, I remember when I first became a Christian, I asked the question, well, how much am I to give? I remember saying, well, a good place to start is with 10%. Start off. I don't think I'd ever given away more than shows my age, threepence, which is three of the old pennies, not even of the new ones. But when I was given pocket money, I had to give that much away, it was a tiny amount. But 10% is a very good place to start. And then I think, and and I have to, those verses from Timothy, I have to read them. And I think it's good for us all to read them again and again, to constantly be reminded of them because of the wealth that is all around us, whether it's ours or not, whether it may belong to other people around us, but because of the wealth of the country in which we live, we need to read these verses. And then our giving, I think, should be so that, ultimately, we have to rely on God for what we need. And it is only through giving. Giving, whether it's money, whether it's things, whether it's time, whether it's meals, that we discover the blessing that Jesus speaks of. And then finally, the value that we place on our reputation. Jesus said, blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. We live in a time where there is this longing for fame and celebrity, the celebrity culture that we live in today, and, and has a lot to do with images. I think it started particularly with actually photography, just enabling people to see images. The celebrity culture is deeply ingrained and i don't know i think that's part of the popularity of tv programs where people are shot to fame through whether it's a cooking competition or a dancing competition or a business enterprise or whatever it is but also through social media and social media some of you have discovered has an addictive nature to it addictive actually a bit like online shopping can be or shopping itself can be because there is this dopamine hit that comes through the, the response, the number of likes. I, I read, or I just heard very recently, somebody saying that celebrity, definition of celebrity is being well-known for being well-known. <laughs> Not really very much else behind it or to it. And the, the sort of desire for... Fame it is often because I think we think that with fame we will be rich and we'll be loved. But actually of course it's a lie. <laughs> those who have it know that one of the great difficulties of celebrity and riches is then you've got to maintain it. And then you can just be on this treadmill, desperately trying to maintain an image of celebrity or fame or, or riches. And actually, rather than discovering uh, the relationship, people end up being more isolated. And I, I thought this quote by the actor Jim Carrey, it was very true, he said, I wish everyone could be rich and, f- uh, well, I don't know, it's true. I have to take his word for it, if I'm completely honest. But he said this. He said, "Um, I wish everyone could be rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so that they can see it's not the answer. You know, being recognized, being famous is a very cheap substitute for what we're created for, which is bringing pleasure to God, living for his fame, his glory, because that's the only safe place for it. And the world's values, they can numb our souls, and they can stop our hunger for God. I I want to finish just by speaking for a moment about what we as a church are about to enter on, this fasting and praying. And just to say a word about fasting, because I think it relates to this passage and um, of course, there are all different sorts of fasting you fast from different types of food. you can fast from alcohol, you can fast from meat you can you could fast from the TV you can fast from online shopping, stop buying sores for a while or whatever it is you like to buy you could you could fast from social media. I think that's got a hold over you and Fasting, of course, always goes with prayer. That's why it's fast and pray. Fasting and praying that we're about to to enter into. It's part of seeking God, calling out to Him. Now, I, I don't profess for a moment to be an expert on fasting. I am not. I haven't done it a lot, and I haven't done it for a long period when I have. But I know this. Whenever I have, it has created a greater hunger and a greater longing within me. And it's helped to reveal for me where I've allowed other things to crowd out a hunger for God. And I think it's something to do with the physical sensation of hunger that helps us to feel a longing, a longing for God's will to be done. And it causes us, as we are not fully satisfied now, to look forward, to anticipate. And as Jesus said, blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. I'm going to hand back to James, if I may.
0: Nikki's got this incredible way of bringing a totally radical message in the kindest and gentlest way isn't he you know i mean really those verses you you know are the sort of bazooka to our flesh aren't they (laughs) and yet he's delivered that so with such tenderness and love
3: (laughs) james if i do it with gentleness it's because i'm speaking to myself as much as anyone else here
0: but you brought us the word of the Lord. So can we just share our appreciation uh, to Nikki?